Welcome to All Turns and No Breaks with Tim and Renee. This isn't an ordinary show. This is NASCAR Talk for fans by fans. Hey NASCAR fans, welcome back to another episode of All Turns No Breaks with Tam and Renee and our good friend Front Row Kenny. I am Renee and she is Tam. How are you Tam? And he is Kenny. What it do? Hey, what's happening? Y'all doing all right? We're doing all great. Everybody's doing fantastic. Fantastic over here. In fact, I'm super fantastic. Can you be super fantastic? Super, super yeah, fantastic. Yeah, we roll with it. It's Sunday. <laughs> <laughs> okay, well we're rolling with super fantastic. So I guess we can talk a little bit about the weekend and just jump into some Bristol and wrap up the podcast. I'm cutting it short today. How about that? Weekend, if you guys are friends of ours on the Instagram, you know, Renee and I had a pretty eventful weekend. I went to the Santa Anita Derby. As I've mentioned before, the Santa Anita Derby is pretty much Whoever wins that is guaranteed a spot in the Kentucky Derby because they gain 100 points. So Bob Baffert, Baffert, I always say his name wrong, sorry, but you guys have seen him before. In fact, last year, his horse Justify won the Triple Crown, and I believe in 2015, his horse also won the Triple Crown. But he's the guy with all white hair that's always, he's almost like the face of racing. If you don't know anything about racing, you'll always see him. But nonetheless, he had two horses that placed at Santa Anita, one and two, which was freaking awesome for him. And yeah, and what else did I do? I went to a day party, which again, all this was on Instagram. If you're not following us on Instagram, you missed out. And I went bowling and whatever else. I don't know. I had a pretty eventful weekend. If you guys have been listening to the podcast long enough, you know, typically I always forget. Boy, it sounds what I like did Tam was weekend. raging this weekend, right? <laughs> <laughs> yes. I was I don't want to say I was raging because I didn't really do much. I just stayed out and was going from one event to the other. Like raging is when I'm in Ibiza or Ibiza's the Europeans call it, or if I'm traveling the globe, but I haven't actually been out the country this year yet, but it's coming. It's coming. Kenny, how was your weekend? Renee, tell us a little bit about yours and let's talk about some let's Bristol. Go baby. ahead, Kenny, and then I'll wrap it up with mine. Yeah, my weekend was a pretty regular, regular schmegler. I was in, in a chill mood, didn't really want to do nothing. So all I did was pretty much just kick, kick back at the crib, watch the Watch the NCAA tournament, which had some fantastic games on Saturday. Those were pretty fun, pretty crazy games, and setting up a real good Final Four for Monday. And I think that's really about it. That was pretty much my highlight of the weekend. So it's pretty chill compared to y'all's. I did keep up with it on Instagram this weekend, so that was pretty cool. Yeah. Believe it or not, I did not have any shows going on this weekend, although I did try to get on stage uh, somewhere, but all the clubs were pretty much booked up, so I didn't get to uh, perform any. So since I had the whole weekend off, and most of our, our listeners know, and if you don't know, if you're new, a listener, thank you for coming on. But I also work in the medical field. So what I did is I, I actually picked up an extra shift at one of the hospitals there. And I was literally working across the street from the Santa Anita racetrack from where Tam was. And I so desperately wanted on my lunch break just to walk, <laughs> walk over and hang out with Tam for like a, a little bit and then go back to work. But I was like, you know what? I'm just going to stay right here because I'll never go back to work. <laughs> <laughs> So uh, I had a friend in town from up north, and uh, we just kind of been kicking back uh, all weekend. And I realized 
that I had a, a neighbor of mine who lives a couple of uh, apartments down from us had a pig as a pet. Now, I kind of knew that there was a pig there, but I, you know, sometimes when I'm coming home, I'm just tired, I'm exhausted, and sometimes I feel like I'm just hallucinating. And I thought I saw a pig a while back, but I was like, oh man, I, there's no way there's, there's a pig. I go, I, I, I know I must be exhausted. But yesterday, I was coming home and this pig was out there and I was going, so then I'm not going crazy. There is a pig and, and, and his name is Gordy, obviously. And he is the cutest thing and he snorts so adorably. It is uh, one of the craziest pets I think I've ever seen anybody have. But uh, nevertheless, I got to feed him a little bit. And I posted it on, a, on our All Turns No Breaks Instagram storyline. So if you guys saw it, it, it he really uh, is an adorable pig. So go check that out. So the weekend consisted of horse racing, pig petting. And watching the NCAA games. Does that sum up our weekend? <laughs> yeah, yeah, pretty much. about right. <laughs> okay, well, I guess it's time to sum up Bristol. So I'm just going to jump right into the recap. Bristol, top 10. Kyle Busch. Boy, that Kyle Busch is on fire. That's his third win of the season. We've only had eight races, and Kyle Busch has won three. His brother, Kurt, was right behind him. He got a P2 finish. Joy Logano who had a small dust-up with Clint Boyer. It wasn't really a dust-up, but Clint had some words after the race about Joy. Yeah. It wasn't even anything significant, but Joy just seems to get underneath everyone's skin. Because if you get underneath Clint's skin, there's an issue. Because Clint, everybody loves Clint. But nonetheless, Ryan Blaney, who actually led... 158 laps, which was the most. And this is unofficial because we're doing this podcast immediately after the race. So forgive us if something changes. But from what I saw, he led 158 laps for a fourth place finish. Denny Hamlin came in fifth. Paul Menard, top 10. Can we give him a round of applause? (laughs) Top 10 for Paul Menard. Clint Boyer came in seventh. Clint actually, I believe, led a lap or two. Yeah, he did. Daniel, Daniel Suarez, eighth. How about that? Daniel is actually positioning himself, setting himself up for a win. And I think that win is going to come sooner or later. I'm hoping he gets the win in the first half of the season. And I believe Ryan Newman. Can you confirm that, Kenny? Ryan came in ninth? Yes. I haven't done this all season yes, because, you know, I always did. write Ryan on he my did. notes. He had a great day. Yeah, he did. It, it, it was Ryan Newman, right? It was. In ninth place, he had a great day. He was up front most of the day, so not too surprised at all. That's a track that favors him okay. for sure. Was that his first top 10 since he's been with the new team? I want to say no. I don't know, but. Okay, well, we don't know. I'm sure a listener out there, you guys know, or you can look it up. But I believe so. If not, I'm wrong. If for sure, I'm right. Okay. Jimmy Johnson, he started P10 and he finished P10. Not a bad day, but not a great day, but a great day because considering everything that he's gone through, kudos to Jimmy. The last handful of races, it's been consistent for him. So I think that that's a positive thing, actually, to tell you the truth. Okay, well, Renee believes it's a positive thing. I'm (laughs) neutral on whether it's a good or bad thing. And in regards to notables, Chase Elliott, who started from the pole, he didn't finish in the top 10. He finished 11th. Matt DiBenedetto finished 12th. And that's a notable just because. And William Byron, who started P2, finished in 16th place. We only have one Hendrick driver in the top 10. And I'm just 
feeling very sad, a sense of sadness for Alex Bowman, because first of all, I don't recall who it was, but I was listening to the broadcast. I believe it was on Saturday. And whoever was speaking, they made mention of Hendrick has a bright future with Chase Elliott and William Byron. And they made no mention of Alex Bowman. And I kind of felt a bit slighted because I think that Alex is a great driver. I just don't know what's going on. And I don't know. Well, I do know. My opinion is it's the equipment. It's not necessarily him. Because when you have a weekend like the weekend he had where he had drama before the race even started at Bristol. I don't know. Maybe maybe I'm wrong. Maybe it is the driver, driver era and not the equipment. But I felt bad because there's just no mention of Alex. It was more that he was left out of the conversation, Absolutely. I think, than anything else, correct? Yeah, I totally get it. Yeah. yeah. He's just not running well. And just kind of going back, like I said, Ryan Blaney led 158 laps. Joy Logano actually led 146 laps at Bristol. Kyle Busch, your winner, only led 71 laps. And I mentioned Clint Boyer and Joy had a little bit of a dust-up. It wasn't really a dust-up. It just the cars touched it, what have you. But Clint actually made some great points about the race. He felt that his thought was that once they got the compound blend correct, or that it was a great blend. And Kenny, you know, that was a topic going into the Xfinity race on Saturday, as well as the cup race on Sunday, everybody has something to say about the compound. Nobody kind of had a correct name for it. The substance, the compound, whatever they laid on the track. It seemed to have worked because based on everything we saw, and admittedly, I'm going to be honest, I took a small nap during the (laughs) Bristol race because I was just tired. You guys know I don't hang out, so on Saturday, for me to be out the way I was, I just needed a nap. But I thought that it was a good race. We polled some of our fans, and they thought it was a good race. Kenny, can you chime in? You know, share your thoughts. Did you think it was a good race? What did you think about the substance that was put down? And Renee, did you think it was a good race? And what do you guys think? Yeah, I I think they actually got the mixture of the compound correct this time. I think in the past times they have used it, they've got too much of it on the bottom. But I think they did a 50-50 of whatever it is, PJ1, which they use in drag racing. The substance itself, I think, worked perfectly, especially given the temperature of the track, the temperature of the air. I think everything worked out in terms of that. And then once it started to kick in, you notice that the bottom lane could work. And eventually the high lane as well could work. And once you mix those two things together, plus traffic, it makes up for probably what I would say the best you can get at a short track at the cup level right now. I think that's what produces a really good type of short track racing. That's what we need, both on Saturday and this just today. That is exactly what you want at a short track. Mm-hmm. I think it was probably the best race you could have got out of it. I feel like you had Plenty of guys mix it up at the top. So I feel like we had plenty of lead changes. I think it was at 19. Last time I checked, it was 19 lead changes. I think we had a really solid day in terms of competition. I don't know what more you could really ask for in terms of a short track race. I don't know how you felt about it, Renee. I think you're right. I think with the combination of it being just a perfect day and everything coming together, it makes the race that much more enjoyable uh, when, when, it, when it all comes together because, it, you know... 
I mean, it, everything in this everything in this sport just revolves around obviously conditions a lot a lot of times you know especially like when we go from track to track. But so it's nice when you have everything come together so that everybody can enjoy it on the same level. Like me personally, I thought it was a good race too. I thought it was thoroughly enjoyed it. And I kept going back and forth between the race and and watching baseball because like when we were talking before we started the podcast, you know, I was watching the Astros and the athletics game and I just kind of kept going back. But uh, I thought it was good. Uh, I didn't take a nap like Tam did, but uh, <laughs> <laughs> no, I, Don't <laughs> judge me. I wasn't, but I literally th- I thought it was a good race. Everyone agrees, at least all three of us agree that it was a great race. In regards to the fans that we polled, and of course, this is just our Twitter followers. And if you aren't, we have to remind you every week, follow us on Turns No Breaks on Instagram, Twitter, Facebook. We don't do the Snapchat, but we do have a Snapchat account. I'm not quite sure. Does anybody snap anymore? Kenny, do you snap? Man, I got back on like the Instagram wave. Ever since they got the stories, I just use that because nobody watches anything I put on Snapchat. So I just put on Instagram. I do have a a Snapchat as well. And uh, what I've learned is I found a way to sync everything that just goes from story to storyline to storyline. So I'll I'll sync my Snapchat story to my Instagram story to my Facebook story. And it just makes it so much easier. So that way, because I got some people on Snapchat that don't have Instagram and some people on Instagram that don't have Snapchat or, you know, maybe not have a Facebook, but I'm like, who doesn't have a Facebook? I'm like, come on, my grandmother has a Facebook account and she's not around anymore. So uh, <laughs> everybody got a Facebook. Yeah, I don't. Um, I haven't posted to Facebook in two or three years, which is crazy. I go on Facebook. I like other people's. Come on. Every, everybody got social. <laughs> everybody got social media. No, I just don't like I don't like the platform. And to be quite honest, I'm starting not to like Instagram because Facebook owns Instagram and they're putting some of their bad ways on Instagram. And to be quite honest too, I'm starting not to like Twitter because I'm not sure if you guys are aware, but Twitter's been playing with the timeline. You have to change the timeline so it shows you the latest tweets. And although you change it to the latest tweets, after a few days, it reverts back to the highlights. Oh, uh, okay. I, I didn't and know that. And I don't like that. No, That's I just agree. My... I'm not a fan of that either. Sometimes yeah. I guess it can be a benefit yeah. when my timeline's out of order, like when I'm waking up in the morning. But other than that, if I'm in the middle of the day at two o'clock, I shouldn't be seeing what happened last night. But I don't know. It changed that up. It was weird. Yeah. Well, going back to what I was saying in regards to whether or not it was a great race, 83% of our Twitter followers who voted on our poll said, hell yeah. Only 7% said no. And 10% said, uh, so I guess we can all agree. It was a great race. I can almost guarantee like that 17% between the last two options probably weren't too happy about Kyle Busch winning. I have a very strong feeling about that. And that's sad, but it's probably it's crazy. so true. I don't understand, but Rowdy Nation oh, was no, in they the were. house. They were prevalent. They were, they were there. And oh, speaking of in the house, can we talk about the opticals? It looked bad again this weekend. That's what the third or fourth race in a row where the stance just did not look. It's just not looking good. I don't even know how to explain it. Only thing I can say about that, like from knowledge, if you look at the turns, the reason why no one was there for that sake was because they literally did not sell any tickets. Like they took them off the grid. If you went on the website to purchase tickets. Kenny, I'm going to stop you right there. 
I'm not even talking about the turns. I'm talking about no, 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 no. I'm not saying I'm not saying that. I'm just saying in general because I I've seen people miss that point. I'm just saying. I'm not saying the crowd was out of this world by any means. It wasn't for Bristol's sake. It wasn't good. But again, I explained this to to Kobe a few minutes ago, actually, before we hopped on here. And again, the downsizing has to happen everywhere. Clearly, it just has to. That crowd itself. In the 90s at Bristol, like the very early 90s, before it became the Great Coliseum, that place would have been full to the brim if that was the case. But unfortunately, this is where we sit at, at 165,000 capacity, I think, still. I think that's where they're at. Okay, Kenny. Like I said, the turns is one thing, but the regular stands on the, the front stretch, empty. And it was the same way in Texas, and it was the same way in Montana. Ironically, like I just said, it was empty in Texas. It was empty in Fontana. I had a conversation with Four Corners Brewery. And if you guys aren't aware, check them out. They are a brewery that is based in Dallas and they are expanding. So now they just kind of set up in Los Angeles, distributing their beer here. And had a great opportunity to speak with the owners as well. Pretty much the whole, the marketing team, everybody. So shouts out to them for making me feel welcome. Also shout out to Mike, who created Millennial Latiraria. Okay, Renee, help me out with the pronunciation because this is Mexican bingo. Did I pronounce it right? Latiraria. Mexican bingo. Latiraria. Yes, so I had an opportunity to... And it's so fun. I won't say drink beer, because if you guys know me, I'm not really a beer drinker, but I had an opportunity to admire some beer. (laughs) Can you admire beer? Is that correct? I think you can. (laughs) Okay. And I loved everything about the people behind the beer, or the brewery, if you want to say it that way, but the brewery has beer. And got a chance to hang out with the whole team as well as play some Loteria. Yep, Loteria. Did I say it right, Renee? Yep. Loteria. But I played Millennial Loteria. And guys aren't aware, it's on Amazon. It is the best thing ever. They have... Okay, I can't explain to you guys about Mexican bingo, but it's just pretty much bingo. But it's the Mexican version of it. Right, and it's it's all with pictures instead of numbers. Yes, it's pictures instead of numbers. And this guy actually put a spin on it where it's millennial pictures. And some of the pictures are like, oh, my gosh, can I say this on the podcast? But it's like La Dick Picture. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, now that's actually really funny. (laughs) Yes, student loan debt. (laughs) So those are the pictures. So we actually, everybody got together. Over some beers, we played Mexican bingo, and we used coffee beans as our bingo chips. So, shots out to Four Corners Brewery and Millennial Loteria. Okay, I'm sure I mispronounced it. That was good. That was was good. So, I done forgot that was hashtag Tam Rant. I forgot why I started to tell you that story. Oh, so the guy, one of the co-founders, brewery is in Dallas, and we had a long conversation about NASCAR. And he said that he thought maybe people weren't coming out to the track because it's a little bit out of the way for Dallas because the Texas track is not 
in Dallas is kind of, you know, on the other side of Fort Worth, I guess. But at the end of the day, I feel like NASCAR people, if the race is in your city, why wouldn't you drive an hour? Yeah. And it's not even an hour from downtown Dallas, but that's just my Yeah, thought. because the track is in is actually in Arlington, Texas, which is kind of a uh, – it is kind of a drive away, just me no, being from Texas, and I kind of know how everything is spread out. It is kind of a drive, but it's no different than me living here in North Hollywood, and then I have to drive to Fontana. You know, it's a little bit of drive because it's, uh, it's on the opposite side of town, but if you're that much of a fan, it's, it's, uh, it's really not that bad of a drive. It's just are you willing to, to deal with the headache of traffic? And that's what you have to to deal with more than anything else. That's no different than going to a baseball game or Jerry's World. I'm sure it's traffic (laughs) when you go go. to a Cowboys game. But the Cowboys fans show out. Team ain't been to the playoffs but twice in the last 10 years. I don't know. Okay, that was a jab at Renee. Oh, man, that's rough. Have you guys been to the playoffs more than twice in the last decade? I don't think so. I don't. Yeah, I think you're right. Exactly, but people still come out. We ain't going to talk about that. (laughs) (laughs) He's like, let's get back to Bristol. Okay, since you guys don't want to talk about that, we can move on because I actually want to talk about your boy, Kurt Busch. Uh Kurt said that he wanted to wreck his little brother. And you know, I was clapping. I was all for that comment because we know that I'm feisty and I would wreck anybody. And for the win, to hear Kurt say that, whether I I know in my heart, I don't think he would have wrecked him, but it was great to hear him say that. I'm going to say, I'd be hard to- Oh, you saying who he would have? Hell yeah. I think he would have done it. That's what I was going to say. I think If Kyle would have did it, Kurt would have did it. I'm telling you, they're both fiery as hell. We all know that. I think he would do it, honestly. Yeah, I think think he would do it too. By the way, real quick, uh, Kurt Busch almost made Tam look really good because I know she picked him to win. And uh, the fact that he came in second is actually really, really good. I had to pick Kurt Busch, didn't yeah, I? Yeah, I think you, I thought you did. Or, or was or, or Kurt Busch was might have been your your second pick? I think I picked Kyle to win and Kurt as my alternative. Oh, you know what? Maybe you did. Man, you should have bet Vegas then if that was the case. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Oh, and one other thing, going back to the horse racing, the horse that won was Roaster. And remember, I mentioned Bob um, oh, yeah, yeah, Burford. Yeah. He had two horses. You guys probably have no idea, but for those who understand horse racing, I had specifically, I went to that track, I already had my bets written out, but I always look at the horses when they show, and show basically means they go in a circle so you can look at them before they actually hit the track. I had my bets written down, changed my mind at the window. I wanted to do a trifecta box, and what that means is that when you do a trifecta, that means that they place one and two in exact order. But if you box it, that means that they can come in any order. Well, okay, you know what? I'm not yeah, great well, at explaining for, it. For, I know the, what it for means. For the non-gambling but... degenerates yeah. out there, it's uh, it, it's a little complicated. <laughs> but for all you gambling degenerates out there, you know exactly what Tam's talking about. <laughs> exactly, yeah. So nonetheless, I missed out on some serious money because... I wanted to bet on this other horse that looked a little feisty. I only had a set amount of money to bet, but if I would have did the trifecta box, it would have been a little bit more expensive. So I took money from the trifecta box bet that I planned to bet on this other horse to just show. That was a disaster because I actually should have bet on that other horse to place as opposed to show. And nonetheless, I did win, but I only won my money back that I bet it. So any event, that was just really random. But go ahead. We were talking about Kurt Busch. Okay. Oh, we were talking oh, yeah. about Vegas. 
But yeah, okay, whatever. Me and Kenny finished. We were just waiting on you. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Kurt said a whole bunch of stuff, but I thought that was the highlight of his quotes when he was like he wanted to wreck his little brother. But he said it with a smile on his face, so that's why I didn't really think he was serious. But had he have wrecked his brother, boy, that would have set NASCAR up for a good week or two of conversation. Because we don't really have much to talk about with NASCAR lately. We're done talking about the package. Eh, I well, think we're done talking about qualifying. Well, the package, I guess you could say, these last two weeks are probably like the biggest weeks of talking about it. Texas was good for what it was. Bristol actually wasn't as bad as people thought it might have been. I think Bristol probably is the best showing of what it is right now. Yeah, I, I thought I thought the same thing. Lots of downforce, big wing, 750 horsepower. It made for a great show. So I think they figured that part out. But it's short track racing, Kenny. Short track racing typically always makes for a good, it can. good show. It can. I would say it can. I think um, the first glimpse of the closest to a short track, I don't know if people debate with ISM being an intermediate or short track, but that's the closest thing to it. Matter of fact, it drives like a short track. That's what it is. ISM wasn't that good. It drives like a short track, but I consider it. Yeah, no, it is. It's a mile long. So if it's under, it's under a quarter of a mile, then yeah. I mean, three quarters of a mile, then yeah, I can see why a short track, but it is an intermediate and it drives like a short track and wasn't that good for the first race, at least. So Bristol, a true short track, put on a show this past Sunday. What happened to your boy Brad Kozlowski? In the last stage there was some issue where nascar he didn't line up correctly yeah they had him lined up incorrectly i I don't know it was crazy how that happened they didn't reset the field or give him another lap to go and once that they went green that was it and they just went because they said they didn't want to waste any laps that's what nascar said they didn't want to waste any more laps because it was so little left to go so they just went ahead and went green and black flag that might have cost them the race right there yeah essentially i think it did honestly yeah We talked about DW last week, but now we can put the conversation to rest because he's retiring. But it makes me think that he retired because of the remarks from the article that Jenna Fryer wrote. Or did she know something and wrote the article knowing that he was about to announce his retirement? Yeah, I'm sure he must have known something. I don't think it had anything to do with the remarks of, of of anybody being said of anything. I mean, you just don't retire because somebody says something in an article. You just don't do that. I'm sure he probably knew something was going to happen. But what I thought was interesting was that he said exactly verbatim what you were talking about last week when, you know, because he basically said uh, that, that he gave everything to the sport. He, you know, he dedicated himself to the sport. It's always been good to him. It sounded to me as he was being honestly sincere about it. I just don't think it had anything to do with the article itself because just like I just said a few minutes ago, it's going to take more than somebody just to say something in an article for somebody, especially a guy like DW, just to retire over some some words in an article. You know what I mean? Yeah, no, absolutely. I agree 100%. And he also mentioned in the press conference on Friday afternoon that he'd actually had thought about doing this in 2017, kind of a homage to his number, riding in the 17 for a lot of his career. So That was something he was thinking about doing, but then he decided to come back for another year. That's what he said. So I guess this is probably something that was pre-planned because, I mean, well, 2017 wasn't that long ago. So he was already thinking about it then. So clearly it was a close thought for him. And I don't think the article, just like you said, was the driving point for the reason why he retired or is deciding to retire from the booth itself, at least, which 
definitely needs to be clear. And I think this is a perfect place for him to do it at in terms of his legacy because he has 12 wins at Bristol all time. I think that is pretty huge to announce your retirement at a place where you got 12 out of your 84 wins of your career. I think that's a pretty cool thing for him. So I do hope they keep him around for pieces that are like pre-recorded because I really do think, like we said, and like Tammy's experience, his storytelling ability is off the charts. And I think that would probably be a perfect role for him. Well, he's out of here. Not to just say it like that, but we'll never know if it was the article or if it was his own free will or did Fox help him out the door. We'll never know. But I'm glad if he's okay with his decision, I'm okay with the decision. That's I guess that's all you can say about that. Since we're in the booth, let's stay in the booth and talk about your boy Dale Jr., who's going to be in the booth for IndyCar. Dale is expanding his resume from NASCAR talk to he did was it the hockey game he did he earlier did. this Stan- year or he was, was in the Stanley year? Cup this uh, past summer on one of the broadcasts. Don't be surprised if you see him in the booth during the NCAA tournament either. He, he's he's on everything. <laughs> <laughs> well, I think the next move for him is probably to try to get in the booth with the Redskins. No, oh man, he, well he cool is thing. a Redskins fan, so you're right. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. I think him going to Indy or whatever, it, Dale just has that personality where it can be any booth and he just makes it that much better. It's his personality that he has and his energy and it's infectious. It, everybody feeds off of it. So I wouldn't care like what sport it is or, or what booth it is. I mean, he just spreads good energy. Yeah. Well, here's a question for you guys. NASCAR fans love him. He can do no wrong. But do you guys think IndyCar? fans will appreciate him? I think so. I think he has an actual appreciation from for different motorsports as it is, or different disciplines of motorsports. So I think he'll fit right in. I, I think he really gets the concept of these events, of these type of big events, like something like this, the Indy 500 is huge. And I think having him, Danica Patrick, and Mike Tirico and that whole mix, I think that's going to be really, really good. I think he'll be just fine. IndyCar fans, I don't think they want to see Danica, though. Danica, I don't know for her, but they'll they'll probably be all right. Yeah. Randomly, and this is not bashing Danica, but it's so ironic that her and Aaron Rodgers are a couple because nobody likes him either. (laughs) They don't. That is true. (laughs) Yeah, no kidding. Think that relationship is built on nobody likes us, so we should like (laughs) each other. I don't know. That was just so (laughs) random, out of pocket, and not even really acceptable. It's just something that popped up in my mind. Okay. Uh, and speaking of drivers and media, did you guys get a chance to check out that article? I believe it was on NBC and it talked about NASCAR kind of coming down on the drivers and telling them that they needed to make sure that they met their media obligations and address some of the drivers being a little bit chippy and snappy with the media. I did not see that. I did. I did see that on Friday in particular. A lot of people weren't too happy. That same PJ1 substance is the same reason why a lot of guys were mad. Like Kurt Busch, for example, he literally couldn't give an answer. He literally told media in the media center that he just didn't have an answer. He said, I did one lap. I don't really have anything for you guys. I don't know what you what you want me to tell you. He just kept letting them know, like, I have nothing I can say. So they were pretty pissed off at the time. They weren't really too happy based on the conditions and how the track was at the time. They were pretty upset. And this year they've made a new president to make sure 
that they do this because the fine can be up between $10,000 and $50,000 if they fail to meet media obligations. So that's why they've also created the media bull ring after the race and anytime after qualifying or any session. So yeah, I think it's important for, you know, drivers and media to, you know, cooperate with one another, make it easier on one another because both of them have to do a job. So that's just me. But I understand that, but this is one where I'm going to play devil's advocate. Clearly, technically, I'm media. Right. And I've always agreed with, sometimes you just don't have nothing to say and you don't want to say anything. It's uh, it's almost like the whole thing with Russell Westbrook, how people hate him. They think he's snappy with the media. Sometimes, like, if I just lost a game, I don't want to talk. Yeah, no, I agree. I'm, I'm, I'm full for it because I understand. I've covered college and I've covered college and high school athletes, and most of the time, you don't want to talk. So you may get an answer, you may not. So be it. I get. I do understand from a journalist's perspective as well that you have to get a story and you have to get a deadline and everything. I get it, but again, sometimes that's just what's going to happen. Sometimes they don't have anything to give you. Kurt Busch, really, I think he was being honest as he could have been. Didn't have anything to give him. He took one lap, messed up that lap, came back in, and that was it. I don't think there was nothing else he could have told him, but hey, this is how it was, and that's it. I don't have anything else. That's it. So I get it. I'm like LeBron when he picked up his briefcase, that, <laughs> that famous meme, and he got up and walked out. <laughs> I always laugh at that because it was perfect. Like, he just was like, okay, and walked out. I'll see y'all later. (laughs) I don't think you should be, yeah, I don't think you should be nasty, but you have, uh, what's his name from the Oakland Raiders? Well, he wants to play for Seattle. Marshawn Lynch. Lynch. I'm just here, so I won't (laughs) get fined. Not everybody is Renee's beloved Dak from the Cowboys and <laughs> always chipper and happy. Hey, when you got it, you got it. Yeah, winning is a is a mindset. And if you're not a winner and you're accustomed to losing or vice versa, if you're always winning and you lose and you don't have anything to say, you just don't have anything to That's say. Fair. Like, I remember for years they were like hard on Cam Newton. I was like... Why? Or even just bringing it back to NASCAR with Kyle Busch. Kyle Busch entertains you every week. He gives his all. He does not not give 100%. So if the man has an attitude because he lost, then he earned the right to have an attitude. As media, sometimes you need to just let it go and not necessarily push for the story. But that's just my opinion. I'm sure Many people, including some of our listeners, will disagree. Well, here we go. I guess it's time for predictions. Oh, yes. Here we go. Kenny, Renee, did you want to add anything? Did I miss anything that was going on in NASCAR this week before we head on to predictions? Yeah, I got nothing. I I thought we covered pretty much everything. I I got nothing, Kenny. I I got nothing. I think we just about nailed any and every single topic that happened this weekend. So I think All right. Well, then let's do it. Tremendous job. (laughs) Well, we're moving on to some predictions, but before we get to our predictions, I want to remind you guys, we are on the Twitter, the Instagram, and the Facebook. As I told you guys earlier, our user is Turns No Breaks. We would appreciate you helping us by hitting subscribe and leaving a comment. If you listen to this podcast on Apple Podcasts, so be it. We're also available to you Android users. We're on Google Play. We're on SoundCloud, 
iHeartRadio, Spotify, wherever there is an app for podcasts, we're there. Without further ado, let's talk about some predictions. It's time for Tam and Renee's Race Predictions. Renee, who do you have for Richmond? Here we go. We're in Richmond this coming next Sunday. So how about this? I know I went out of my way and I picked Chase Elliott to win. Uh, Didn't happen, but I picked Denny Hamlin as my alternative pick, and uh, he came in uh, in a pretty good uh, place. I'm actually going to go with Kevin Harvick in Richmond. I feel Kevin Harvick is still trying to find his way to get back into the mix of things. And to be honest with you, Richmond is a good track, I think, for him. I'm going to go with Kevin Harvick to uh, be in victory lane this coming weekend. If I had to get an alternative pick, I'm actually going to go back with Denny Hamlin. I don't know why I keep going back to Denny Hamlin, but I think it's maybe just because I got the hots for Denny Hamlin this year for some reason. I don't know. But Kevin Harvick, is, <laughs> Kevin Harvick is don't my pick, and Denny Hamlin is my uh, uh, my alternative pick, and those are my picks, and I'm sticking with them. Kenny, who do you have the hots for? <laughs> don't think any, any driver, but... Um... <laughs> <laughs> Of going to Richmond, uh, another short track on the schedule. I'm pretty excited for this one as well. Coming up next Saturday evening, I am going to go with Denny Hamlin, who is a Chesterfield, Virginia native and has won there quite a few times himself, last dating back to 2016. I think this is a place where he can win. Gibbs is doing really well right now. They pretty much won almost everything this season so far. So that's a track he's been notably good at, so I think he'll be my first pick. And for my alternative pick, I'm actually going to go with Kyle Larson. Crazy pick, right? In a way. Yeah. He hasn't been doing necessarily the greatest, but that was the last place where he won at. That was in the playoffs in 2017. That was the last time he won something there. Wow. I think he can do it. It's a track that he's been been good at, but that's my picks for Richmond. How about you, Miss Tam? History lesson before I tell you what I'm thinking, but I will tell you this, considering my track record, whatever I tell you, you should run to your local bookie, your online betting. Oh, wait, is online betting illegal? In some states, it's legal. Yeah. Okay, I don't want to be promoting something that's illegal, but (laughs) wherever you place your bets, take what I'm about to tell you to the bank. History lesson, past 10 winners at Richmond. We started racing at Richmond in 1953, so that's over. What is that? 70 years? 70? Long time. Something years of racing. 77 years? 76 years of racing. Is my math correct? I don't know. I'm not very good at math. (laughs) I'm going to pull up my calculator. You said what was was the first year again? (laughs) We've been racing there since 1953. It's 2019. Quick, get your calculator. What is that? at Richmond International Raceway. Thank you, Kenny. 66. You sure? No, it's more than 66 because... If you add 50 to that, that's 2,000, and then 50 and... We'll go with a long time. <laughs> 18. You sure? 2019? Yes. So 68 years. Nope, I'm 1953, wrong. right? 66, right? 66. I don't have my calculator. Okay. I'm trying to talk. I can't talk, think, and add at the same time. That's fair. We started racing there in 1953. We raced there twice a year, once in April, once in September. At least we did. I don't quite remember for the schedule next year if we're racing there twice a year. But nonetheless, our past 10 winners, and these are our past 10 winners for the first race each year at Richmond. Kyle Busch in 2009, Kyle Busch in 2010, Kyle Busch in 2011, Kyle Busch in 2012. 
Kevin Harvick in 2013, Joy Logano 2014, 2015, Kurt Busch 2016, Uncle Cousin Carl Edwards 2017, Joey Logano in 2018, Kyle Busch. In fact, Kyle Busch has won the last two races at Richmond because he also won the September race last year. So he won the April and September race of 2018. Kyle Busch is a six-time winner in the Cup Series at Richmond, if I'm not mistaken. I can't read my handwriting, but I think that's six times. And he's a six-time Xfinity winner. If I'm reading my handwriting correctly, forgive me if I'm off by a race or two. But to summarize, he's won a lot of dango races at Richmond. I don't see why he won't win his last race. And when I say last, I'm not saying last in forever. I'm just saying the last time as in time wise that he won't win in 2019. Kyle Busch is my pick. I like your picks, Denny Hamlet. He is my pick. I have to remind you guys to win the championship this year. But I'm feeling like brother Kurt Busch should be my alternative because Kurt has won a couple of times at Richmond and he got that that feeling. He got that healthy brotherly competition juice running through his veins. So Kyle Busch is my pick to win and Kurt Busch is my alternative at Richmond. I think that's pretty good, honestly. I actually like that pick, actually, to tell you the truth. No, I do. and. I, now that I go back and look at my own notes, actually, so something notable as well that happened this weekend. So Kyle Busch tied Lee Petty, who is 10th all-time in all-time cup wins. So if he wins on, on Saturday night, that means he will be tied with Rusty Wallace for 55 wins, and that means he will move into the tie position for the ninth spot in all-time wins in NASCAR Cup Series history. That's pretty cool, if he does do it. Well, we shall see. We shall see. All right. Those are our picks. If you have any picks, please hit us up and let us know on our social media. Let us know how you feel about this coming race up in Richmond and let us know who you think is going to be in victory lane. We always appreciate you guys coming in and listening to our podcast, All Turns No Breaks. Uh, like Tam said, make sure you check us out. Subscribe to us on iTunes. Please leave a comment. We always do appreciate it. For Tam, myself, Kenny, as like always I say, I always appreciate and me and Tam, always appreciate you coming on the show and in providing your insight and your chemistry on the show. It always makes it that much better. For Tam, Front Row Kenny, I'm Renee. We'll see you next week on another episode of All Turns No Break. Bye-bye, guys. <laughs> I love it. Did you say bye, Renee? <laughs> oh, okay. Bye-bye. <laughs> Thanks so much for tuning in with Tam and Renee. 